Hello and welcome to Horror Culture Shiver, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we've got something a little more uh, serious for you this week. Yeah. We, don't, we, we haven't done serious in a while, have we? No. No, we haven't actually. We've been doing mainly trash, trash. recently. Yeah. This is like a proper horror film. Yeah. I, this is, you, I mean, if, if you want to take this as like a two week lead up to Halloween, go for it. I mean, this is probably. Perhaps up there is maybe top five, part of top five scariest films we've covered on a podcast, I'd say. Because we well, we did Ghostwatch, that's scary. The Fog, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, we haven't done that many scary films. No, no, so it's not often. It doesn't mean so much. Yeah. Um, but we recently got our first ever screener through uh, for the upcoming Second Sight Films release of The Strangers. Uh, which you can get on Blu-ray on September 28th. Uh, it's a really great edition. It, it comes with uh, a soft-cover book with new essays in there, a new poster. Uh, it's limited edition to only 3,000. You can pre-order it on their website, uh, which is secondsightfilms.co.uk. And uh, it's got a load of new special features on there too. So you've got the extended cut, a new interview with a director, new interview with Liv Tyler... Uh, yeah, it, it's really great. You, the transfer is fantastic. It looks amazing. Yeah, it looked great. Um, yeah. there, there were things in this, just like some noises and such, that I, I didn't even hear the first time I watched it. So, um, well, I'd say the first time I've watched it many times, but there's, there's new things I've noticed this time around that I've never noticed before. So, yeah, thanks to Second Sight Films for sending us this. Um, we, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm not really a, a transfer nerd, if that's the term we would use. Um, but I did, yeah, the transfers were great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you said, it is limited edition, so, uh, yeah, definitely recommend picking that up. Uh, so, the 28th, that's like Monday, isn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, this is released on Tuesday, so, yeah, this Monday coming up, go and get it. So, um, getting into The Strangers, it was released in 2008, uh, directed by Brian Bertino, who directed Mockingbird, The Monster, and The Dark and The Wicked. I've seen Mockingbird. I don't remember a lot about it, but it, I remember that was a Blumhouse film. Oh, I thought you meant the yeah, Hunger Games film. No. That's, isn't that Mockingjay? I have no idea. Uh, it was made on a, a $9 million budget, and it grossed over $82 million. I believe, critically... It was a little mixed, but it did go on to become a cult film, and, and now I'm pretty sure you mention this to any horror fan, they'll know what it is. This is the kind of film that everybody sort of went to see. It was sort of the buzz horror film. Yeah. And you get it from, you know, time to time, where it's the, the, the horror film that everybody talks about and everyone goes to see, and it's the scariest thing ever to a, a general horror audience. Yeah. I mean, we're... We've been watching horror films for a very long time and we've been analysing them for for the podcast and, and in general. So we're, we're a bit, you know, um, what's the word? Desensitised to a lot of things. Well, but it's, it's a genuinely quite creepy film. I, I was going to say, this, this film has always got under my skin. I remember I first watched this when it, it came out um, back in 2008. Uh, I think I watched it on DVD. I definitely didn't see it at the cinema. I think I was watching it on DVD, and uh, yeah, it just it, it scared the life out of me back then. And and every time it's one of those films that no matter how many times you revisit it, it it's still really eerie. It's uh, unsettling because it's more realistic than a lot of other horror films. 
for me, what it does that not a lot of horror films do, it creates characters we care about. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when I care about what's happening to the victims on screen, mm. it makes the film so much more intense, so much more scary, so much more um, interesting, really. Yeah. If they're just all throwaway characters that we never really liked to begin with, you can get a real campy, fun slasher film mm. out of it, which, you know, how, how, you know, we all know and love those sort of films. Yeah. But if you really want to make a good, scary horror film, then we're going to have to give a shit about the people on screen. Yeah. And, and this is first time directing for Brian Bertino and... Considering he's a first-time director when he made this, that's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, it is. And but he... some of the shots in this film are so memorable. They just stay in your brain. They're just really, really cleverly done. And, it, yeah, the cinematography is incredible. Yeah, and you can tell that he's a fan of horror films. Yeah. Because he wears his influences on his sleeve. Yeah. And I think what gives the film... Some legitimacy is ha- is having Liv Tyler there. Yeah, you know a real proper actress. Well, for anyone who doesn't name, but people for, knew yeah. her. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, Liv Tyler is the daughter of Aerosmith lead singer Steven Tyler. Yeah, but she's a successful uh, actress she, in uh, her own right. Well, I was getting to that Liv Tyler super well, fan. I, just, I don't know why you started with that <laughs> fact. That's I mean that's the most well known fact about her, and she's in obviously the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, she was in The Leftovers, she was in Armageddon, uh, recently she was in Ad Astra. She was in Empire Records. Empire Records. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of people know her from the Aerosmith video for, I want to say, Crazy? Crazy. Where she jumps, is it where she jumps off the bridge into With the car? her and Alicia Yeah, 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 that's yeah. the one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, she's very well, well known, um, <laughs> and... I was shocked, even at that age, like, I, I knew who she was, because I was a big Lord of Rings fan when I was younger. Uh, I knew who she was, and I was shocked to see her in that film. Yeah. It, and, and Scott Speedman, he was big at the time. Obviously, he was in Underworld uh, and Animal Kingdom. Uh, he he was, yeah, very well known at that time, wasn't he? He's, he's one of the 2000s yeah. hunks yeah. that people know of. He's 2000s hunks. Well, you, you know the category. Him and Chad Michael Murray. Josh, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy who was in Tomb Raider. Oh fuck! That was Gerard Butler. Oh, I just yeah. remembered Gerard Butler was in Tomb Raider: Cradle of Life. I swear I'm not wrong. Oh okay. I didn't think he really did anything and he, until. Yeah, no. It, I swear that was him, and he looked like your typical Chad Michael Murray type guy back then. <laughs> what? That's a weird segue. He didn't Let's have get curtains, back to did it. He? <laughs> no, he didn't have curtains. No. But uh, anyway. <laughs> As we were saying. Um, but it, it, it gives a level of yeah. legitimacy to any horror film. Yeah, and when you've got good actors as well. Yeah, that, that helps. helps as well. So having proper, legitimate actors who know what they're doing. Um, Liv Tyler, she's not a scream queen by any sort of uh, imagination, but she did a really good job. Yeah, uh, considering she's and not a scream helps. queen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That helps. Yeah. Um, and, and then what I like, what I really liked that they did here was that they had your two legit actors as your protagonists, but then the strangers, when it comes to acting, they were strangers. 
Like yes. they, they weren't very well known actors. I, I don't, don't even see know their faces. You don't even well, see no, their faces. Well, no, and that's the thing. That's and that's the, the thing. That is the point. Yeah. And there's so many little bits, and we'll go through them as we go through the film, but there are so many little bits of this film that make it more creepy. I, I found it more creepy mm. than uh, scary, but it legitimus- legitimizes the scares yeah. and the creepiness by these very small details, which is why we quite, you know, we can talk about trash. So we go through the trash films and we say, you know, that was funny, that was funny, that was silly, that was over the top. And we enjoy doing that. But when you have a decent horror film in front of you, you can look at these little bits and, you know, really get into it. And it can be very interesting. That leads me to what I was about to ask you. So when we first watched this, you wasn't the biggest fan. I gave... Did you enjoy it more when analysing it? Yes, yes. It, the, it wears its influences on its sleeve. Yeah. Um, but it does the... You know, Quentin Tarantino does it for every yeah. single friggin' film. Everything he's ever been involved in. Um, but putting them together and making a good film. I enjoyed this more looking at it. Mm. You know, analysing it than I did when I just watched it. Yeah. Because you, you realise, I mean, I realise this time, I've seen this countless times, but this time around, I realised how much effort was put into building the tension. Yeah. Um, you know, so many things put in place. And if if you just watch it as a film, you, you can either go one of two ways. You can either watch it and think, oh, not a lot happened in that. But if you're really involved and really invested in it, you know, it, it's a very, very intense film. Um, before I get into the trivia, we've got some fan, we haven't got a lot of fan mail, but we've got some good fan mail. Uh, first up being Kira. I love how you call it fan mail. Well, fan comments, fan interactions, <laughs> whatever. People talking to us. It's if we're fucking Lauren Bacall. <laughs> wow. I mean, I uh, I strive to be yeah. Lauren Bacall. Um, Kira, our friend Kira, has said that she is now buying Howgate after listening to our episode. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> I hope you get it cheap. Judging from Kira's taste, I think she's going to love Howgate. Oh, yeah. And uh, second and, well, final. Well, evident second sight, uh, films have been really good to us. They've retweeted uh, our stuff and we've got a lot of reactions to that. So thanks very much. Uh, Say Pod and Die podcast uh, have said that The Stranger still gives, well, I, I think Stay Pod and Die is more than one person, um, still gives them anxiety when uh, he or she has to get up in the middle of the night. Oh. Which is understandable. I mean... I was fucking terrified after just doing some research on the backstory. Yes. Yeah, that's another thing that really adds to it, knowing that it's inspired by true stories. Yeah. So that brings me to the trivia. So uh, this is partially based on an experience that the director had as a child um, where a stranger knocked on his door, asked for someone who didn't live there, and then on that same night there was reported burglaries around his area. Um, but it's also based on the Manson family murders mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and most chilling of all, like, this is the scariest bit of research I've done for the podcast. I even had to stop and said to Chris, that was fucking terrifying. Just reading up on this. Uh, I mean, we like our true crime stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Um, we, we watch your YouTube videos and search and... Yeah, this is one of those that gave me shivers reading it. So it's considered to be based on the 1981 Keddie Resort murders in Northern California. Um, there was a holiday home. Uh, a family went out there. They had a friend staying over with them. 
uh, one member of the family went, came back, and they'd been tied to chairs, murdered, and knives had been left in places and such. And yeah, it just it sounds fucking horrific. And I believe it's actually unsolved. Yes. Yeah, it is unsolved. And that's what the film plays on, yeah. is that fear. I mean, statistically, if any of us are going to be murdered, it's going to be by somebody we, we know. Yeah. Um, and they're easier to solve, like, you know. Um, the idea that any of us, at any time, can have our homes intruded mm. and we be murdered... For absolutely no reason, apart from wrong place at the wrong time, mm-hmm. that's fucking scary. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not, not looking at you when I say this, but the idea that somebody you know killing you, obviously that's not very good. Great. That's not very <laughs> nice. But it, it's another level when you think that anyone, complete stranger, can just break in and yeah. just end your life that's fucking scary and uh, you know horror films do play on that yeah you know wrong place at the wrong time yeah texas chainsaw Chainsaw massacre the film i believe to be the scariest film i've ever watched is a wrong place at the wrong time kind of film yeah i mean look at halloween that's just the random guy if you you look at the new timeline it's just a random guy going out there butchering people exactly but but the slasher film played on the idea that these people deserved it either by being drug takers mm. or um, having premarital sex yeah. or just not being very good people. This film is good people, yeah. you know, people you like, mm-hmm. you like all the characters, the victims in this film. There's, there's only three of them, really. Yeah. Um, we like all of them and we genuinely feel like these people don't deserve this. Mm -hmm. And as horror film aficionados, I think I believe is the word I want to use, Mm. we have become desensitized to such things. We're like, Mm. oh, well, she's, she's had premarital sex. She's going to get it soon. Yeah. He's been smoking weed in, you know, in the woods, he's going to get it. Yeah, and we've become desensitised to that. So being able to sit down and watch a film where, you know, nice characters have really terrible things happen to them, mm-hmm. that's, you know, creepy. That yeah. is scary. That does stay with you after you've watched it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was shot entirely with handheld cameras and steady cams and shot in chronological order. Yeah, well, it, it sort of takes place over one night, Yeah. It? So it makes sense for it to, you know, be chronological order. Yeah. And I think that really helps, particularly with Tyler's performance. Yeah, it is. You can see that. It's short, too, really. I mean, like, just over an hour and 25 minutes. Yeah, it doesn't need to be long. No, no, and that's it the really thing. It really doesn't. In, if anything, I, I think maybe a little could have been shaved off, if I'm being perfectly honest, mm. to tell the story that they were telling. Um, it didn't necessarily have to be long because there's a little bit of repetition i yeah. found uh direct the director would tell Liv tyler a loud bang would come from one side of the room and then do it for another to get a more real reaction out of her and uh, i think that definitely worked yeah. uh kurt russell has said this film always scares him okay yeah that's a random one <laughs> who asked him uh, I think it was on an interview <laughs> on TV. Kurt Russell, have you seen 
the strangers. <laughs> oh yeah, I am. I saw that. Um, it just goes to show it was a Buzz film, wasn't yeah, it, at the time? Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually thought to be a remake of French film Them, which I haven't seen. Um, when I say thought to, uh, I don't know why it's never officially been announced that it is a remake of Them. Because I've looked at the plot, I, I swear I've seen it, but I can't remember anything about it. Um, but it is very similar when it comes to the plot, so I don't know why it's never been announced as a remake. Um, probably because they'd have to pay some French people money uh, if they talk. That's a good point. That. Um, the only them I know is that big ant film from the 50s. Yeah, it's not that them. <laughs> That's what, when you first said it, I was like, it's ain't got giant ants in it. <laughs> Faulty reels were sent out uh, to theatres when it was released, and there were sound problems where there were scenes where there was nothing but static you could hear. But because of the sound design and some of the other scenes, the audiences didn't complain because they thought that was intentional. That would be scary. Yeah. So they thought that that was intentionally what what they were going for, uh, and, and I can see that. Do you remember when we did that with the Into the Spider Verse? Oh yeah, at I mean, the beginning when we thought the three D was uh, screwed up. Yeah, it was just the animation. Just part of the film. <laughs> um. So the original, uh, the original ending of this film had more interaction and dialogue from the strangers themselves, but the director cut that down to. Uh, to make it a little more minimalistic and uh, have it be more effective that they're more mysterious and you don't know anything about them. Yeah, it was the right decision because for a film called The Strangers, it's not really about them. No, no. It's not about them. It's about um, Kristen and James. Yeah. And uh, the filmmakers tried to design the house uh, as a house that you could have grown up in, like a normal family house that'll make you feel more at home when you get to know the characters, so it's more scary once shit goes down. God, American houses are huge, aren't they? They are, yeah. If you've done it in a UK house, you've had a box room for a tidying. Yeah. <laughs> you've had a tiny bathroom. I don't think... <laughs> has there been a British home invasion film? I don't think I, so. I, just don't think it, I don't think it would work. It's definitely no space. Yeah. It'd, it'd have to be a real posh UK family... Yeah, to have it, you would you would just wouldn't. That's why all fucking British horror films are in mansions. It's true. Shit. Yeah, or like Shaun of the Dead, where they go down the pub. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we do have to mention is this did spawn a sequel, uh, titled "The Strangers Pray at Night," and a lot of people hated that film. We actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. I think the sequel's more fun, whereas yes. this relies more on scares. Yeah, so the the, I th- I think the title, The Strangers, it being a a direct sequel is weird, because it's it's a completely different film, yeah. really, just with the same antagonists. You, do you agree? Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. The, no. The it's, sequel is not a home invasion film. It's it's a straight up slasher film. Yeah, like something from the eighties. Essentially, it, it is a straight up slasher film, but it does keep in intact the likable characters. It yeah. doesn't go completely um, slasher film from the eighties style. Mm. You know, it, it's not a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel, um, but it goes in a completely different direction. Ups the camp, yeah, massively. Um, Lots of Kim Wilde on the soundtrack. Kim Wilde. It's it's got more show stopping scenes, 
uh, and elaborate that, yeah, scenes. That really wears its influences on its on its sleeve. Yeah, massively. Um, yeah, the, the shots straight out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, even Christine at one point. Um, that's definitely a future podcast film. Yeah, for sure. I I think if if they had you know not affiliated it with the original film because mm. it's a completely different film. Yeah. Um, then I think people would have appreciated it more. There were too many comparisons to the first film. Yeah. Um, when it, the style is completely different. Yeah. Um, what I would have liked to have seen with a sequel is um, Liv Tyler to return and get her revenge. Wow. Fun fact about that. Um, after Strangers came out, obviously, we would be a box office hit. Stra- straight away, they were after a sequel. And this is back in the days of the IMDb message boards. Do you remember those? Yes, I do. Um, and there was so many people. I was always on there and everyone was talking about the strangers and everything. And uh, someone, they leaked, the script got leaked. Someone on there had it and they actually emailed it to me. Oh, wow. Um, Any good? Yeah, so it's basically the sequel that we got, but the opening scene... It's actually, instead of it being, uh, I think it was their grandparents, was it in the caravan park or their uncle, whatever. Yeah. Instead of it being that, the opening sequence was Liv Tyler in hospital after uh, after this film, gets a knock on the door, like the end of the second film, and it's actually the strangers and the murder over in the opening scene. Oh. So she, she would have been there, but for a cameo, and that would have been it, onto this new family. How very Adrian King of her. I know, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they were going for. Yeah, well, it was a bit like Marilyn Burns um, from Texas Chainsaw. She always said the the sequel she wanted was Sally getting her revenge, mm. um, which you never see in any of these films, really, do you? No, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see a third Strangers film with, with Liv Tyler back and uh, the girl from the second film just teaming up to get revenge. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean... Uh, they kill him in the second film. No, she survives. The uh, daughter of the family. No, the, the strangers die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but let's face it. They're clearly... If they're going for Manson family, they could do it as a cult. And it wouldn't oh, be... Could, it wouldn't even be yeah. jumping the shark. Like, they right. could easily do it that they're a cult. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, we've just spoiled the second film for you. Sorry if anyone Sorry. hasn't seen it. And spoiled the first film. Uh, <laughs> they survive well, you're about to film. listen to our episode about it anyway. But, yeah, no, just, it's just crazy to think that back in those days things were so easy to get leaked and sent around like that you know with the IMDb message boards um, but it was was it exactly the same script then the it was almost almost the exact same caravan yeah, yeah, yeah caravan really? party yeah, yeah. wonder why it took you 10 years for it to get made I know it's very very strange that it took so long especially because it had all that ready and I think Liv Tyler had signed on as well oh. um, but yeah the, the script just went everywhere and it just didn't happen we wouldn't have gotten Christina Hendricks though to be fair that's true so, the plot for this film. A young couple staying in an isolated vacation home are terrorised by three unknown assailants. And it is really as simple as that. It's not really... When you say vacation home... and it it, It's is, a family home. It's a family home. So, it's, yeah. it's the film that uh, James, uh, the male protagonist, it's uh, his family home that he yeah. grew up in. Yeah. So... We open... What, actually, what do we open with? You tell us. So we open with... <laughs> what you're about to see. <laughs> what, what you're about to see is inspired by two events. It's absolutely a take on the beginning 
of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah. The John Larroquette voiceover with the um, words on the screen. Uh, even the voice is very, very similar. Yeah. Um, so it it's basically telling us about what we're about. To, very similar to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, Sally in an invalid... Oh, no, that is Texas, sorry. Yeah, wrong. wrong film. Wrong film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we get, you know, that style. So from the get-go, we're like, oh, okay. This, well, this guy is going to, you know, show his influences very clearly. He's clearly a horror fan who's going to give us some great references. Yeah. This one's a little too obvious, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, but... so I usually like him a little more subtle. <laughs> yeah. Um, as uh, so we we get the uh, basically get the plot uh, read out to us, and then we are shown some houses, uh, shots of some houses, and we get a nine one one call uh, of this kid who has just stumbled into a house. We get some shots of the house. There's blood on the walls. There's a knife on the floor with blood on it. Uh, a smashed car window, and uh, this kid's basically telling the police that there's blood everywhere, and we get the title card, and. That is, uh, would you call it a cold opening? Yeah, yeah, I would say quite cold. Yeah, you you know what you're in for basically. Well, yeah, it has the whole fucking plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're then shown James and Kristen. Uh, they're in a car, traffic lights, and uh, they're on their way to basically the middle of nowhere. Yes. Um, super fucking awkward in that car, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you can feel the, Something's you can feel the tension. They've had some sort of argument or yeah. something. Yeah, Kristen lights a cigarette and they go inside and uh, they put a record on, the first of many in this film. And there's rose petals everywhere, so you still don't know what's going on, but it slowly starts to make sense to you. Yeah, so it's all set out quite quite romantically. Yeah. But there ain't no romance on display. No, no. I mean... Liv Tyler is serving... Uh, well, she looks like she's dressed like she's about to get married, but she's actually just been to a friend's wedding. Yeah. So, way well, to upstage uh, the bride, Liv. Yeah, wedding reception, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. She's, well, she's not wearing a veil or anything, but she's, she's looking very nice. Very yeah. nice dress. Um, so, James calls his friend Mike and explains that things didn't go as planned, but it didn't say what didn't go as planned, and he asks him to come and get him in the morning. Uh, whilst Kristen gets into a bath. What's his friend's name? I never got Mike. that. Mike. Okay. Yeah, so Kristen goes to get a bath and uh, she has a flashback to the wedding reception era and uh, she's having a great old laugh with someone. We don't know what they're saying, but she thinks it's hilarious. Um, and uh, James starts stroking she's, her face. She's having a very boring bath, isn't she? She is, yeah. She's very... Um, I think the rose petals awkwardly are still in there. They are, yeah. But she's got nothing else in there. Water's barely filled to the top. Very boring bath. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. A very a carry bath, yeah. as I'd say, where she just sits there. It's some fucking water. It's about her. She doesn't even wash. So, whilst we're on this flashback, uh, James takes her outside and he pulls out a ring. Well, a ring box. And then we go back to Kristen in the bath. So we're led to assume it was a proposal gone wrong. Well, she looks fucking mortified when he pulls it out. 
Doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she she does. She she does not look happy. D- yeah, and there's another scene called as well where she looks really over offended and that's <laughs> some really nice things. Um, she gets out of the bath and James is eating some ice cream. Um, he tells her to keep the ring. He can't take it back. They start having a a swig of wine from the bottle. You know, he does starts chugging from the bottle. Yeah, of champagne. And there's loads of bottles of champagne lying around. There are, um, yeah. I thought, was it wine or was it champagne? Champagne. Oh, was it? Getting, okay. it was meant to be getting engaged. That's true. It? Well, he tells, uh, he tells her that she looks, really pr- she looks really pretty and she looks at him like he's just shat on her mum. <laughs> yeah. Like, she looks so offended by him saying that she looks pretty. Well, she got in the bath, had a little reminisce about the events of the evening, got out, put the same dress on <laughs> and she says, I wanted to keep this dress on because I feel pretty in it. Mm-hmm. And he was like... You are pretty. And she shoots him right dirty. She's like, the fuck did you just say? <laughs> but, <laughs> but also, like, why is he asking her to marry him at their friend's that wedding? That was very selfish. Wild awkward. Yeah. It wasn't in front of people, I understand that, but that's still wild awkward. They go to this wedding, like, live a servant outfits there. She's trying to upstage to bride as it is. There's else and, then, wedding, yeah. and then he tries proposing at a wedding. You hear stories though, don't you, of people mm. who have asked... It's quite common. Yeah. So, they I'll have a chat about... Fuming. <laughs> they have a chat about the failed proposal. Uh, James changes the record and they start trying to get it on, don't they? They do. When they say change the record, you mean, you mean on the vinyl player? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. They, they literally change the vinyl. <laughs> change the record. Um, but yeah, they start to get a little hot and heavy, don't they? Yeah, he takes the knickers off. Takes um, the knickers off. They start going at it, but they're interrupted by a knock on the door. <gasps> and so uh, they answer the door. And I think, sorry, just going back, um, I think what helps with James's character is this story, this mm. part of the story, yeah. where they're establishing the two of them. Because you feel sorry for James. Yeah. And he's still a really nice guy. He's not bitter about what's mm-hmm. happened. Um, he's still so good to her. And you do feel quite bad for him. I think sometimes, particularly for us, where we feel um, quite strongly uh, about female characters... Mm. Um, but in horror films in general, you know, the final girl, people tend to um, focus on female characters and yeah. a lot of their sympathy is for female characters. Um, whereas in this film, it feels quite equal. Yeah, it does. Because yeah. James is such a nice dude, you know, mm. you feel sorry for him, which helps. He's not just a throwaway male character. No. He, he gets less screen time. Mm. Then Kristen, admittedly. But when he, spoiler alert, eventually dies, we do feel really sad for him. Yeah. No, definitely. And they get they get a knock on the door. Uh, they answer it. The front porch light isn't working. And you can just see the outline of someone there. Um, yeah, so you don't see her face. Props to this transfer. You still can't see her face. It's not like sleepaway camp where you get a good transfer of it and you can actually see. Oh yeah, it's Ricky in the wig. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you still can't see her face, and uh, she asks, "Is Tamara here?" <laughs> now this actually leads onto the second film, the same sort of trademark question. Yeah, this is this asked. is one of the famous parts of the film. Is Tamara there? Yeah, very good impression. Well That's done. a very American name, Tamara. Yeah. I don't know anyone called Tamara. The only Tamara I can think of is from. Real Housewives of Orange County. Of course. 
That's my opinion. <laughs> That's her. Tamara. <laughs> it's not the same. I don't know. She might be trying to find her. Is it Lisa Renner in this film? Lisa Renner. I wish Lisa Renner was in this film. <laughs> It might be Lisa or is it previous star of the podcast Denise Richards? Oh, cool. Well, she's left now. Um, but that's she... Beverly Hills. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I clearly don't know my real housewife. No, you don't. Um, so back to the real strangers. Um, the, the the front porch light isn't working, so you didn't get to see who she is. Uh, and uh, James basically says, "No, it's the wrong place. What the fuck are you doing this time of night?" She walks away. Kind um, of, but they're actually quite sympathetic to they her are, yeah. after she yeah. leaves. They're a bit like you know, it's late at night. Like, what the fuck is she doing? Lost. Here? This girl's lost, and they are quite sympathetic mm. towards her. Which you know, we ain't thick. This is a horror film. <laughs> There's a creepy girl at your door. We know. But they do. They do say though straight away. Yeah. Yeah, but this is what I really like about this film is obviously a common complaint we have a lot on this podcast from yourself is when you act like you're in a horror film. Yes. But this, their first reaction when they get a knock on the door is everyone's reaction like, wait a minute, it's four in the morning. Who the yeah. fuck is that? Well, it's it's one, isn't it? When this starts. One or four. Uh, it's it's one early hours in the morning. Early hours in the morning. And, and that is their first reaction. Absolutely. And that would be yeah. anyone's. reaction reaction like yeah. who is knocking on the store at this time of night and they also morning. do that thing that i like in horror films where they switch the lights on yeah when the lights need switching yeah. on every they, reaction in this film is logical they remember they have a, mo- a phone straight yeah. away uh-huh they remember that their kitchen is full of knives and yeah. weapons and such um they remember all these things yes yeah. yeah and absolutely and that's what i really like about it it's everything is logical in this film yeah some of the characters in the sequel do make some dumb decisions, like the scene where he's got the gun and he's pointing it at the uh, the stranger for ages and just doesn't oh, do anything. Oh, yeah, just doesn't do anything. <laughs> but yeah, so the characters are more logical in this first film. Um, she walks away and James fixes the light, but it's a bit too late. Uh, Kristen's run out of cigs and he offers to go and get her some and lights her a fire. Yeah, see, Showing he's, how such, yeah he's such a nice guy. He even lights her a fire before he leaves. Mm-hmm. He takes one last swig from the bottle of champagne and throws it away and leaves, leaving Kristen there on her own. And she puts on a record, uh, another vinyl, uh, with a song about going outside. Yeah, I, I really don't. I have absolutely no idea what the soundtrack to this film is. <laughs> the, the, the songs are quite good. They, they, they're like... I don't know about good. The songs are fucking creepy. They are creepy. <laughs> um, but they're... I don't know. I... I thought it was Bob Dylan. Then I was like, could they afford Bob Dylan? Is it a Bob Dylan sound alike? <laughs> it's all very um, folky music. Well, one it? of them, I think, was in a band called The Strangers. I think that was it. I think it may have been the next song, actually. I'm not sure. It's this one or the next one. Um, but it's a singer that was in a band called The Strangers. Oh, okay. So it was a nice little nod there. Um, but it's, yeah, it's like folky country. <laughs> you could have delved deep for that one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there's another knock on the door and same question again. And Kristen tells her, you've already been here. She does. She's less forgiving this time. Yeah. You've already been here. Yeah. She's like, have I? (laughs) Are you sure? So I think potentially that's the other stranger. Mm hmm. Yeah. Have I? So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, after this, the fire alarm goes off. Uh, Kristen locks the door. Fire alarm goes off. They've had the the fire on a bit too strong, a bit too long. Well, so, what? How I, I saw that is that they've done something to the chimney. 
Oh, okay, that makes That's sense. That's what I yeah. thought, is that they've done something to the chimney, which is why the smoke's going inside yeah. the house. Um, because there are three of them, and That's I'm true. assuming three of them at all times. Yeah. Um, And we're not introduced to all of them straight away. They're not all together. No. So I feel like they're playing a trick, and they've done something to the chimney yeah. to, to start the smoke alarm off. Yeah, she tries taking the fire alarm down, uh, and as the fire alarm falls to the floor, they, she, there's more knocks at the door. Um, but it makes sure it shows you the fire alarm is on the floor because it's going to be important in a minute. Yes. Um, she starts charging her phone up as the knocks are happening. Yeah, so she remembers she's got a mobile phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's run out of battery, okay. <laughs> it's believable. People, you know, it's yeah. the end. You've been at a wedding reception all night. You know, it's one o'clock in the morning. Your battery's probably ran out. So it's it's not one of those, oh god, cheap horror film things. Yeah. it's believable. Well, it's it is because when her mobile phone is out of battery, she uses her landline phone, the yes. house phone, to call James. Come on, landline. Come on, having both. <laughs> We'd be fucking screwed, wouldn't we? Oh, in a horror film, we ain't got a landline. <laughs> so she calls James and she tells him what's happened. Um, she gets dressed into uh, some... What, who, what's she serving in this outfit? Uh, she, it's plaid, isn't it? Mm. She's... Oh. Serving lumberjack, casual lumberjack. Lumberjack, yeah. Lumberjill. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she gets dressed into a new fancy wear and uh, the line drops when she's talking to James. And she likes to sing in the kitchen and we get... One of the scariest shots from any film in the 2000s, easily. Yeah, so she's having a cig. She poured herself a glass of water. And we see behind her in the shadows, but we see the, the I say face, the mask of our main villain, Baghead. Yeah. So <laughs> official name, Man in Mask, but we're only going to refer to him as Baghead. Well, he's... What look is he serving? He's giving me... A bit of Jason from part two. Jason from part two. The town that dreaded sundown. Yeah. Um, he's giving me Scarecrow from Batman Begins. Yeah. He's giving me all that. He's, it's basically just got a bag on his head with With a bit of drawing on it. With a bit of... Yeah. It, yeah. It's like a yeah. smiley face. So we'll, we'll refer to him as Baghead. Um... But yeah, he's just... I don't know. Does Baghead translate to uh, America um, <laughs> for any American or, or non-UK listeners? Uh, Google it. Google Baghead. Google Baghead. See what pops up. <laughs> so, yeah, Baghead stands there. And honestly, it, it is terrifying. This is what absolutely scared the life out of me when I first watched it. Um, it was just... Terrifying. It's, it's terrifying. I, I not... The last time I'd seen this sort of shot in a film would have been Halloween. Um, when Laurie's, um, uh, finds the bodies at the end and Michael's coming behind her. I looked at it as a reference to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. but the way they do it here, you know, in Halloween, obviously Laurie's already scared because she's found dead bodies, but Kristen is so unaware what's going on and that makes it so much scarier. That this guy is just watching her in the background, is tilting it his head. Not more reminiscent, if I remember correctly, of Annie on the phone. 
in Halloween. Oh, yeah. There's so many shots in Halloween and Michael Myers just standing yeah. behind. The only reason I thought of that one is because he slowly comes into shot. Yeah. The same way he does in this shot in Strangers. Yeah. I just you know, that famous shot of Annie mm. on the phone where he's in the background yeah. watching. I thought it was more reminiscent. Yeah. I, I feel like the placement of them was more reminiscent mm. of that. I, I, again, you know, there's a clear reference to yeah. a horror film and it works really well. It does. It's not just thrown in there for the sake of it it works mm. it works for the scene and it works for the film yeah. and what they're trying to portray but this is the scene where it confirms that they're in danger yeah like you know the knocking's creepy and everything but this is showing he's got a way of getting into the house yeah yeah you know and this was also done very similarly similarly well words um in a very similar way should i say um, in Vacancy, which was released, I believe, around the same time. Maybe a year before, actually. It's like the Kate Beckinsale. It film. is. And and the two films actually kind of remind me of each other. Because it's, I mean, home invasion films, you get them every now and then. But these two came out really close to each other. Mm. Um, and they're both great. Vacancy's really good as well. Yeah, Vacancy was good. Yeah. Um, and also, if, if this is the first time you've watched this film, if someone's just put it on, they haven't told you about anything, yeah. you haven't seen any of the trailers, yeah. this is also the revelation and the reveal that there's more than one person. Yes. Yeah. Which would be very scary. And I think this is a, a film that I would say you know, to watch without any knowledge. You know, if you were going to put it on for someone who had never heard of it, mm. don't tell them anything. Yeah. Just put it on and see yeah. their reaction. Yeah, which I think was a bit of a mistake in the marketing for this film. Well, I say mistake. is it? I, I mean, mean, it made money, didn't it? Yeah. So it must have worked. Um, they used this exact shot for the poster mm. Um, for the film. And in one way, that's good because, you know, I mean, obviously you don't know anything about this film, you look at that post and you see that image and it's going to make you want to watch it. Yeah. But at the same time, imagine if you watched it without knowing that scene was in there. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, so he just stands there and watches her for a bit uh, and then he moves away. She hears a noise and she grabs a knife. Go on, Yay. girl. She grabs Thank a knife. God. <laughs> she tries uh, using the phone again. Uh, line's still down. Uh, gets another knock at the door. The smoke alarm is now on the chair. Um, so she knows now someone's in there with her. Mm-hmm. Um, someone starts trying to open the door. The noises are getting louder and louder yeah. each time. The knocks at the door are getting louder and louder. Yeah. We're starting to hear other noises, things being knocked or moved or, you know. Yeah. And then we hear a knife scraping against the window as well as some wind chimes. Mm-hmm. And Kristen slowly approaches the window. Uh, the curtains are closed. Now, this scene really took me out of my comfort zone because you had the creepy scene of him standing behind, the creepiness of the door knocking. This is really unconventional, what happens here. Because normally, in a scene like this, you'd open the window, there'd be nothing there, and then you'd get your jump scare. Uh-huh. This doesn't hold back. She opens the curtains and there's Baghead at the window, fucking banging the window at her. Yeah. And it's really scary. It's, it's a great jump scare. And it, it kind of shows that these are killers. Yeah. Potential killers, intruders. They don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, they, they actually don't care. The By the end of the film, we realise that the masks are, are just there, really just for fun. Yeah. Because they eventually take them off. Mm. These people, they're just out to harm people. They don't give 
give a crap. No. It it was like uh, when we watched um, Hush. Is it Hush? Yeah, yeah, Hush, yeah. Uh, We spoke about it on the podcast. Yeah. The moment he takes that mask off and says, I don't give two shits if Mm. you see my face or not, because I intend for you to be dead by the end of tonight, then that's fucking scary, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, it it really works. It really works, and I like they've got no backstory either. Like even in the sequel, you, you still don't know who they are. And no. I, I guess you know it's called the strangers. That's the point. Yeah. But it's still a point that I, I love to emphasize on that, that it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we obviously a lot of the time, if you listen to our original versus remake episodes, we slag off a lot of films that overdo the backstory and spoon feed you everything and and this doesn't do that yeah you just got these people they're they're there to kill people that's it yeah and at the end of the day why can't why can't a film just be an hour and a half of a particular story told a particular moment yeah told we don't need to know the the befores Mm -hmm. necessarily or or the afters it can just be this hour and 27 minutes mm-hmm. of this story being told, this scary intruder story, and that's it. It yeah. scares the shit out of you for an hour and a half, and at the end of it, it stays with you for a while, but we, I'm not, I, I never sit there thinking, oh, I do wonder who these strangers were, you know, mm. because that takes away from yeah. the scariness, the scary part, and, you know, it's been told you know, throughout time, the scariest things are the things that we imagine ourselves, mm. you know, yeah. nothing can be scarier than that because we know what scares us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as soon as Baggett, uh, as soon as she sees him out the window, the record starts itself and starts repeating the same line over and over again. Uh, the door what opens. is that line? I don't know. It, it sounds like they're saying creep show. <laughs> I thought it was like, gonna get you, gonna get you. But I was like, that's a little too much of a coincidence <laughs> for a skipped record. Um, yeah, the door starts to open and Dollface, uh, who is one of the other killers, she's at the door. So she's the blonde girl. From yeah. The she's the original, t- um, is Tamara home. Yeah. So it, her name describes what she looks like. Yeah, it looks like she has a doll's face on her mask. Um, so Kristen locks the door, runs to the bedroom, screams, go away, and then James comes home. James. When I first watched this, I thought, oh shit, is he, it was that him? Is he part of this? Well, yeah, I suppose, again, talking about horror films that we've seen, mm. you know, the, where they feel the need to have a twist yeah. or for something to happen for a reason, mm. that would be a very obvious one. Yeah, and, and there's one line of dialogue towards the end that um, I'll go in depth about when we get to it, um, that really laughs in the face of twists mm-hmm. uh, and over-elaborate twists. Um, a, a real simple one-liner that really... It works. It really yeah. works. But um, it does put it into your head. Yeah. Potentially this guy has put this together. Yeah. Maybe he... It's his friend Mike. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he wasn't on the phone to Mike. Yeah. You know? Um, she tells him what's happened. Um, That'd be a shit film, but... Yeah. <laughs> she, she tells him what's happened. They, they have a walk around the house while she's speaking to him. And we see that her mobile phone is in the fire. Um, yeah. She doesn't. And James doesn't. Um, but it's in the fire. That'd give off a bit of a stench, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think you, they would have noticed. Um, Something I noticed is that top of ice cream still on the 
dinner <laughs> table. <laughs> probably melted by now. Yeah. What a waste. A really big, fucking massive. You massive don't get tub. tubs like that no. in the UK. Huge tub of ice cream. They look out of uh, the storage room window. I call it the storage room. It's just a room full of boxes. Um, they look out the window and Dollface is just standing outside watching. Uh, James says she looks like a ghost. Yeah. Um, she she, say she's quite pale, yeah. to be fair. They turn away for a second, look again, and she's gone. And uh, James goes outside to get his phone from the car uh, and finds that his window has been smashed. Again, they don't give a shit. So it's they're not trying to make out that Kristen's having a breakdown or no. she's hysterical or anything. She's like, yeah, we did scare her and we're right outside now. You're right, James. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that. I really like, I hate when a film gaslights someone. I mean, mm. you know, sometimes it works. I mean, look at The Invisible Man, you know, that really works. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you get other films where they drag it out for so I hate, long. I hate when they drag it out. It's, yeah. Look at Paranormal Activity 2. The mum in that film, they made out she was crazy for like an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. You had like a fucking ten minutes left of the film before it, you realise she was telling the truth. Yeah. I, yeah. I hate when films do that. I really do. Yeah, no, I, I hate that. Um, but this film just gets straight to it. Um, and, you know, you know she's not lying. So he goes to get his phone from the car and this window's been smashed. And as he's looking in the car for his phone... Uh, you see another very Halloween shot. Uh, someone's hand reaches out, touches his shoulder, and then he quickly turns, puts his back against the window. Now, that just reminded me of the scene of the nur- with the nurse in Halloween. Uh, yeah. When she quickly turns to the window. It looks yeah. exactly like that. The Strangers, they do have a bit of the Michael Myers, Jason yeah. teleportation yeah. about them, though, don't they? Yeah, it's easier to explain away considering there's three of them. Yes. You know, yeah. they can all be in different places at once. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dollface, that scene just gone where she quickly runs away, I mean... She, she must have just had somewhere to hide behind really quickly. Yeah, well, it didn't, it didn't show us who was in the car, no, to be fair. No, But I suppose he would have seen them, having turned around. Yeah, so, um, so she, whoever it was disappears. And uh, after this... Uh, where am I in my notes? Oh, yeah. So, reaches out, he turns around, the phone is gone, Dollface watches him uh, while someone else runs past him. We don't see who that is. Uh, Dollface disappears again, and James finds his phone inside the house with no battery in it because it's 2008, and those days we had batteries in <laughs> phones. Batteries. Well, yeah, Kristen's is a uh, flip phone, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they go outside, they get in the car, and then we get the stranger's mobile. <laughs> oh, God. I, yeah. I read an interview somewhere, with, I think it was the director of the second film, where he said it was really important to have that truck because it's a very important part of the strangers. It's their signature their signature truck. Signature truck. <laughs> the stranger's mobile. Um, so they're in that, and it's pin-up girl driving. So she's the third stranger. Uh, her face, it looks, again, it looks kind of like doll face, but except... More of a pin-up girl style. Yeah, it was quite... It was a little confusing because I was a bit like, well, which one's pin-up girl and which one's um, doll face? Because she looks like a doll. Uh, what I would say, it's a bit like um, a flapper from the 20s. So it's a bit like Liza Minnelli. Liza Minnelli, Betty Boop sort of mm. style, you know. So Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Baghead is in front of the car, um, staring at them. They go back inside the house and they grab a gun. Um, 
they've wrote hello on the window. Now this scene, I didn't know what was being thrown in the window. Is it mud? Rocks? It must have, I think it was a rock. I think it smashed the window a little bit. Mm. I think it. I think it um, cracked it. Um, but on the window is written hello. Yeah. Multiple times in lipstick. Yeah, and James reveals that he doesn't know how to load the gun because he lied to Kristen about going hunting with his dad to impress her. Aww. Hunt, that ain't going to impress any girl. Like, oh, I go hunting. Okay, then fuck off. Like, <laughs> He's trying to be a manly man, isn't he? That's mm. why he's been looking after her. Yeah. Poor James. I feel sorry for him. So he lied about that. He didn't know how to load a gun, but he figures it out. Um, yeah, he eventually figures it out anyway. He has actually no issues. No. <laughs> to be fair. No, Baghead starts axing his way through the front door. Uh, proper Jack Nicholson style. Yeah. yeah um, they block it with a piano and James shoots at him. And then they go and hide in their storage room. But uh, someone comes in and puts on a song about Mama trying. Yeah, another. I swear this is the one where the, the singer had a band called The Strangers, but anyway. Uh, Mike arrives. Mike looks a bit like Ben Stiller. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little lost. My bloody handwriting. Excuse me. So yeah, so we see a car pull up. It's driven by uh, Mike. He's a smart-dressed man. Yes. Well, he's also at the wedding reception. Zizi Tart would be proud. Yeah, but we don't know it's Mike. So what what we see is a shadowed car mm. driving up. Yeah. And then we see that he's a, a smart-dressed man. And mm-hmm. we realise it's not one of the strangers. And then um, Mike calls James's phone, gets the answer phone, says, I'm here to pick you up early, mm. you know, um, helping a pal out and such. Yeah, and then he um, gets a brick through his window. So then he gets a brick through his window. It smashes... Uh, the culprit disappears. Uh, Mike enters the house, calling for James and Kristen. Yeah, you think this is it? You think this is their chance they're going to get out? But it's not so simple. Well, so- Dollface is watching. He The thing is, what he does is that he initially calls out mm. when his voice is being drowned out by the record by the music, playing. Yeah. But then as he gradually goes through the house and sees... The damage that's been caused so far. Mm. He stopped shouting their names. Yeah. And this is, again, another really, really good shot. Um, Baghead slowly comes out of the shadows in the background and follows him through the house as he's walking through. With, an with an axe in his hand. Looks like he's ready to uh, axe him up. But the record stops and uh, James does Baghead's job for him. Yeah, so James is a little trigger happy, and the moment Mike turns to look in the bedroom, he gets a shotgun bullet through the head. Yeah. Poor Mike. We barely knew (laughs) these. No, no. I think you had to have, uh, you know, it's a horror film, and no one sort of died. I would, because you have to have deaths in horror films, don't you? And, you know, to sell a horror film, Mm -hmm. you have to have them. There's plenty of horror films, you know, that we've seen documentaries on or we've discussed on the podcast where the producers have turned around and say, mate, you haven't had a death for the first 45 minutes yeah. of the film. We're going to tack one on to the beginning or mm. randomly yeah, um, just so we can have a death on screen. It's a horror film. I get it. Mm. I get it. This one works. Yeah, it makes sense. Because you, you can't kill... You know, James or Kristen. Mm. 
so early on in the film, you have to have someone and it, you know, and for it to be someone who could potentially be a saviour. Yeah. And it isn't a random police officer that's, officer that's turned up. No. You know, it's a friend and James and Kristen are both really fucking devastated at the fact that this has caused the death of Mike. Yeah. You know, it's sad. They're sad. They're really upset about it. Yeah. It's a really great thing because it's a real... Well, you know, by this point, you're fully invested in him and it's a real mm. blow when this guy who could have been there in San is killed. Yeah. By his own friend. It's not just a, oh, well, you know, mm. they're not just, oh, shit, you know, I don't know who he was, but, you know, yeah. he's dead now. So, um, yeah, so James realises, because um, mm. he says, he, you know, whoever I just shot, they weren't wearing a mask. Mm. So he realises who it was, uh, as Chris said, they're both devastated. And uh, the killers then write on the window, uh, the stranger, should I say, should write, write on the window, uh, killer, in red lipstick. Yeah, um, this is, lipstick is really long lasting. I, I don't know if they've <laughs> brought a load with them um, or hoping that Kristen would, ha- would have a load of lipst- red lipstick available, but it's all the same shade and it seems to last. <laughs> Yes. All of those hellos and killer. <laughs> it's really, some good fucking lipstick. Very resourceful. Very, very, <laughs> really long-lasting. Yeah, and, and I think, again, this is another great scene because it just adds to the whole, okay, yeah, they've just seen you murder your friend and they're taunting you about it. Yeah. You know, um, just shows that they they seem to be having fun with what they're doing. Yeah, they're, they're assholes. Yeah. You know, um, we, we are not on their side. No. Which, you know, is how it's meant to be. Yeah. James goes outside because uh, there's an old radio in the barn. So he's going to go and try and call for help. And when he goes out there, he spots a girl, points a gun at her. But before he can shoot her, uh, he gets knocked out by Baghead, who runs at him out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah, and then Kristen so, goes. I, I um I obviously when we make notes for our podcast, sometimes we miss parts. Um, this is the part I missed. <laughs> <laughs> so Kristen goes outside after this, and uh, and then she falls over, and she crawls to the barn. <laughs> and it's, the thing is, I was like, oh for fuck's sake, she's fallen over now, and I thought actually in real life. You probably would fall flat on your face. Yeah. <laughs> if you're running through, you know, a grassy wooded area when it's pitch black outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you would. Oh, like, I probably I'd, would as well. I'd fall over if it's broad daylight. You'd fall over. And normal people, when they fall down a ditch, they hurt themselves. Yeah. So, you know, that's realistic. A pinup follows her uh, as she's crawling. Um, but ter- disappears when Kristen turns around. Uh, she finally reaches the barn. She tries using the radio. And this is what I heard, but I'd never heard in this film before. There's uh, a voice in the background going, Hello. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> Hello. Um, we hear some axe scraping noises. It's quite camp though, isn't it? It is, yeah. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, and the police come through to the radio, but just as they do, Pinup smashes the radio up and Kristen crawls away again. So yes, after this, Baghead is out there looking for Kristen as she watches, uh, as she watches him. Dollface is using the swing, and Mike's car is set on fire. Was it Mike's car or was it um, James's car? It's just a car. Just a car's on fire. Um, Kristen limps back to the house, 
and Baghead is in there playing piano, having a look for her. Uh, so she hides in a cupboard. Yeah, she hides... Now, again, I know I bring this up a lot on the podcast, but I do struggle to figure out American houses. Was it like a... It's like tree, like a pantry. Yeah, 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 like a pantry. There's food in there, but it's got like slatted, a a slatted door where she can see out, but Mm -hmm. they can't see in. Yeah. So Baghead is in there just being creepy. Has to sit down, looks at the ice cream, (laughs) then leaves. Um, (laughs) He was gonna have some, but it's all melted now. Yeah. Uh, And then Dollface just pops up out of nowhere. I think this scene was heavily used in the trailers. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, pops up out of nowhere, starts breaking through the through the cupboard door, slowly walks away and picks up the ring box. Kristen's obviously not having this. So she leaves the cupboard and they both grab knives. Kristen got the short straw, um, quite literally, because that knife she gets is fucking tiny. Oh, you wouldn't put a bread <laughs> with it. Uh, she asks uh, Dollface, why are you doing this? She doesn't answer. But Baghead brings James inside and Dollface then tells her that she's going to die. Uh, Kristen tries... Well, Kristen, it was... Uh, Kristen actually said to Dollface mm. when she was like, you're going to die. Mm. You know, I'm going to fucking kill you now because I've had enough of this shit. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she grabs the pathetic knife from the drawer. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kristen tries breaking out of the window, but it's not happening. Well, James, ever the gentleman, shouts, Kristen, run. Yeah. Um, she tries to, but um, pin-ups at the front door. So then she runs upstairs to the bedroom. Upstairs for this whole ground floor. Oh yeah. Oh, well, she, she runs into the bedroom, the bedroom yeah. where there's a window. Yeah, tries breaking the window, um, and then she hears uh, James screaming again. Uh, so she goes out to investigate before she could do anything. Baghead comes out of nowhere, slams her against the wall, and drags her into the kitchen. But as he's doing this, she scrapes her fingernails on the floor, and it sounded fucking disgusting. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and uh, she screams, and we cut to a new scene where Pinup is opening the curtains in the living room, and James and Kristen are both tied up to chairs. It's bright outside. Yeah, it's again, morning. another another shot that was used for posters. Uh, we see the three strangers sitting opposite, uh, well, standing opposite them whilst they're tied to the chairs. Um, and that's the, that's the problem is it gives away a lot mm. um, in the poster. But Jesus doesn't make a good poster. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that and that shot's the first time you see all three strangers together in the same place. Yes. Um, And, you know, at this stage, you're expecting them to maybe, you know, find a way out of their, their ropes that they're tied up with. Well, that's and, the thing. You know, you know you for any other horror film, that's what yeah. you expect. Yeah, yeah. Um, So... Kristen, and this is the line I mentioned earlier, Kristen asks why they're doing this to them. And Dollface says, because you were home. And that is really just such a terrifying line of dialogue. It is. Just because they were there, that's why they're in this situation. And that's insane. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's what really, really works. And that is what laughs in the face of big elaborate twists that, you know, sometimes are great, sometimes they're not. This just that's that is this film's way of saying we don't need any of that. No, this is this is why. Yeah, and that was that was also a tagline for the film, because you were home. Yeah, 
it, it really is. It's quite a chilling light. It's, it's uh, reminiscent of uh, When a Stranger Calls. Yeah. You know, the uh, what do you want? Your blood all over me. Mm. You know, it's that realisation that, oh, shit, you know, this, this has nothing to do with any... This is literally three completely insane people who are out to kill that yeah. night. Whoever they find, they just happen to be home. And then you also realise that, you know, these two people that we're invested in probably aren't going to survive the night. Yeah, because after this, Kristen holds James's hand and we get... The camera angle makes a point that she's got the ring on uh, just to add that extra bit of sentiment to the scene. You know, she tells him she loves him and the strangers then take their masks off and uh, they take it in turns stabbing them. Yeah. Uh, Baghead stabs James first, then Pin up does it. Uh, then Dolphe starts stabbing Kristen, and then it cuts away, and you know you can hear it still going on. Um, but it's it's a really brutal scene because yeah, again you think they're going to escape, you think they're going to find a way out, but no. And it doesn't need to be exploitative. No, it, it, you know it's a film that doesn't have to be gory, it doesn't have to be over the top in that sense. Mm. And again, like I said earlier. You know, what we imagine is worse than what anyone yeah. could put on yeah. film, you know. Um, and, you know, th- these are characters that we care about. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily want it to be too extreme or too over yeah. the top. Um, because that's not the point of this film. Yeah. That's not but the I, point. I remember, though, when I first watched this, I found this a really uneasy scene to watch. Even with the cutting away, yeah. you know, it's... It, I was really surprised at this scene in particular that it didn't get an 18 certificate in the UK because even though, you know, it, it does show you some of it, you know, but even though it didn't mm. show you all of it and the guidelines of BBFC are sadistic violence uh, gets you an 18. Well, it was back then anyway, but yeah, I was quite surprised this didn't count for that. So I wouldn't, I suppose I wouldn't call it sadistic if I'm being honest. Um... It feels it mm. because of, of our relationship to the characters. Yeah. It does feel it, but it's not It's not exploitative. I think if it was exploitative, then I would describe it as sadistic. Mm. Well, after the scene... It's not sore or... or no, or, no. And it, it's not um, hostile, mm. you know. It's nothing like that where throwaway characters are getting, you know, bits and pieces yeah. shot off. Um, after the scene, we get a scene in the extended cut. Uh, which shows you, uh, it shows you James and Kristen on the floor. Um, we're made to believe they're dead. Uh, James is dead. Um, but then Mike's phone rings and Kristen is still alive. So she crawls over towards the phone, answers it. The call ends and Baghead walks up to her, takes the phone and walks away. And leaves her alive. Oh, does he take the phone? Yeah, takes the oh, phone. Oh, I didn't notice that. Um, she's there. She's trying to. She's trying to fight away from him, but he's not interested. No, he's not interested. Which I mean, I got the impression he just thinks she's just going to bleed out. I got the impression that he just um, didn't care that mm. she saw. You know, you can yeah. survive. We, you know, you don't know us. Mm. You'll we'll be in some other state soon. You'll probably never find us anyway. So just whatever, and 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 also just um, sort of dismissing her mm. and just being like you you, you didn't matter before, yeah. and you still don't matter now. Yeah. I'm just gonna go. 
So, yeah. And that's very um, Manson family, I, I, yeah. you know, um, where they, you know, the Manson family didn't wear masks. They weren't no. trying to hide themselves or anything. Um, yeah. So, they, uh, so Baghead walks out um, and we get to see the two boys from the start of the film. They're walking up the road with their bikes. Now, they're like, uh, like I don't know. I, Bible camp? Bible students? camp or Mormons. I was Maybe. Mormon from them, but religious, and they've got leaflets about, Yeah, you know, converting to whatever. Yeah, so religion. The, the stranger mobile pulls up beside them, and Dollface asks for one of their leaflets, and uh, one of the kids asks if she's a sinner, and she says, sometimes... She gets back in the stranger mobile and she says it'll be easier next time and they drive away. <laughs> Spoiler alert for it, It's not easier spoiled. for them next time. It isn't time. easier no, next time. No. And it takes them ten years to get there, Yeah. Kids. Um they drive away. The boys enter the house and we get the shots from the beginning. Uh one of them finds James dead and the other walks over to Kristen. Uh, tries to see if she's alive, but as he reaches out to her, she wakes up and screams, and that's the end of the film. So, Kristen survives, and uh, it makes her a good jump scare at the end. Yeah, do you think Kristen should have survived? I mean, yes and no. No, now, because of the sequel we got. Yeah. If we were going to get a sequel where it was her going out for revenge, or if they were going to do that a little bit to start with her dying... Uh, as closure for the character, then yes, she should have survived. Which, obviously, that was full-on their intention. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and now that she's not in the sequel, no, I don't think she should have. Because uh, just... then it would have added more of an impact. But if the whole idea was the sequel is that she would get killed off in the first scene anyway, mm. I don't know if that was the intent of that final scene. No. My, my issue, and I don't want to finish on a, a, a low point because I, I enjoyed the rest of the film. Mm. Um, but I just feel that if you're going to go for a downbeat ending, mm. just go for a downbeat ending. Yeah. If she's not going to get any sort of retribution mm. or any sort of, you know, revenge on them, mm. then just just have it die. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it makes sense. The fact that you've got them saying they're out there, they're going to go and do it to someone yeah. else. And then you have her wake up. Your first thought is, okay, this next one is going to be a revenge film. Yeah. It just... it. it it was. It felt like a downbeat ending, but with a pointless, mm. um, oh, sequel to come tagged yeah. on the end of it, or mm. like a cheap jump scare at the end, just for the sake of yeah. it. I just, I just thought it cheapened it a little bit. I'd rather they have just had the balls to just, you know, have her die, and it would be a downbeat ending because we were sad for James anyway. Yeah, it was still, you know, it was still a, a sad ending because they both didn't survive. Mm. Um, yeah, but as I said, all in all, really enjoyable film. Yeah, yeah, no, really good. I mean, you know, as we said uh, a lot of the time recently, we talk about trash on here. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, nice to have something good. Once, yes, and again, you know, it's out on Monday uh, via Second Sight Films. If you haven't already seen this film and you've just listened to all this, still watch it. You know, go and grab yourself a copy. And thanks again to Second Sight for sending us a screener. Yes, thank you. We will do the sequel one day in the future. It, it's definitely a podcast film, yeah, 100%. I would say so. There's definitely a lot to digest there. So, yeah, that's us done for this week. 
tell us uh, what you love about The Strangers. I know a lot of you do love the film uh, on social media. Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. We will be back on Friday with Original versus Remake. Where we're having our first Original versus Remake threesome. We're talking about Mystery of the Wax Museum. House of Wax 1953. And Paris Hilton's House of Wax 2005. <laughs> a film that has had a really baffling resurgence i'm not saying it's a bad film myself but if i had told you it was a good film back in 2005 i probably would have got a punch in the face um i haven't seen it people used to hate that film but people used to and sometimes i think when you have somebody such as paris hilton in a film Mm. people hate it for the sake of hating it yeah because uh, oh, I'm a horror film fan, therefore anything, you know, that is more uh, pop, you know, or mm. pop culture um, is sometimes dismissed or, or hated. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, being the gay guys that we are, mm-hmm. we can only speak for ourselves. Yeah. But when pop culture and horror collide... I'm having the time of my life, so yeah, I I'm, mean, I'm looking forward to watching it. I specifically remember Sky Movies did a, a little roundup thing of movie news back then, and uh, they were like, next month, Paris Hilton appears in House of Wax, so you still got time to leave the country before then. I'm like, oh, whoa! God, and that was me, you know, a closeted gay guy, like, really excited to see this, and... Sky movies telling people to leave the country before it's released. I was never that excited, which is why I've never seen it before. <laughs> I, I've seen it loads of times. It's uh, it's sort of along the same sort of camp lines as Sorority Row. Um, yeah, I can see why it's got its camp resurgence now. People who feel they're allowed to say they can like it that maybe would have hit their excitement back then. Yeah, you got your um, naughty's hunks as well. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it's a, it's a very gay slasher film. Um, yeah, so we'll be back on Friday with that, and we're back a week today as well with a proper Halloween warm-up episode where we are discussing Halloween free Season of the Witch. Yay. With no Michael Myers. Yay. So, if you're listening on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe, like, and follow on Epic Ass, follow us on Spotify, and I am DeadEyeGaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker eight two three on Letterbox, Twitter, and um, Instagram. Uh, we'll see you Friday. Bye.